Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Rob Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Rob is a best-selling author, former F-16 fighter pilot, Air Force One advanced agent, world-renowned keynote speaker and corporate trainer who's trained Fortune 500 companies around the world, executive coach, father of four, and the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Now, here is Rob Schallenberger. All right, well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. We're glad you joined us today. So this is Rob Schallenberger, your host for today. And we have a fun guest uh, with us today. She's been around the world and a lot of different things. Uh, excited to introduce her. So her name is Tiffany Peterson, and she is a seasoned speaker and international coach guiding individuals, teams, audiences, and creating thriving lives and business results. Now, before founding her own company called Lighthouse Principles, Tiffany worked with and for many popular brands that you'd probably recognize, such as Franklin Covey, Teaching the Seven Habits, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Jack Canfield. Uh, so she's got a lot of experience in being around. Tiffany has been responsible for achieving sales budgets that range upwards of $40 million in annual revenue. That's pretty significant. <laughs> she loves sharing her sales secrets and strategies with others to help them create a sustainable income living their business dreams. So Tiffany, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, we're going to have fun. And, and one of the things that's great about this podcast is we have people listening who are coaches. Uh, we have teachers. We have CEOs, managers. Uh, we have stay-at-home, either mothers or fathers. So we really have a wide spectrum of people, and I'm sure that some of the things you're going to share will apply to the entire audience, uh, but also to business. And that's what's great about these Becoming Your Best podcasts is that it's a verb of becoming. You know, we're all getting better. Uh, so in that spirit and introducing yourself and your background, maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit about you, how you got to where you are today, and just help them get a feel for who Tiffany Peterson is. Yeah, I love that. And I love the title of your podcast and the, the concept. And when you say becoming, I just want to share one of my favorite Jim Rohn quotes, and then I'll jump in to share a little bit about my background. But Jim Rohn has been quoted as saying that becoming and getting are like Siamese twins. If you want more than what you've got, become more than who you are. And when you say that language, the becoming aspect, as I often ask that of myself, is who would I have to become to achieve this goal. So any goal that you're thinking or you're saying, I want to have a great connected marriage or I want to be an industry leader or a top salesperson or I want to grow my company or launch a book or whatever it is that you're wanting, I love to ask that question, who would I have to become to achieve that? So thank you for having me sincerely and to your audience, a warm welcome. So the short story of my longer story is such is that I'm, you know, based here and born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. I thought I was going to be a special needs teacher, Rob. I mean, short and sweet. And I even went to school, started going to school for that. I worked for three different classrooms over two years while I was getting my education complete as an aide in those types of experiences. I always had this draw to helping wanting specifically at that time children, but as people in general, helping people overcome their challenges to go on to succeed and thrive. And then from there, I didn't obviously choose that path long term, and I went to work for Franklin Covey. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have all this sales training, right? I mean, I wasn't, I was going to be a special needs teacher and going from special needs to selling, at the time I was selling coaching packages over the phone. 
it was kind of a big jump because it wasn't something I had prepared or thought I was going to be doing, not realizing that life is sales and that sales are simply relationships, right? That we're all in sales. So the shorter story there is that I went on to be the first female of that company to be what they call a top 10 performer in their 15 year company history. And not because I was super talented at sales. That was not my background. It wasn't my expertise. It was simply I had passion and I had work ethic, right? And I think about anything in life, if we're wanting to create success or results or positivity, whatever it may be, is simply those, that is a simple equation is, right, work ethic and passion. And so my success there led me on the path I'm on now, which is because of my success in sales, that company asked me to start doing some training on the side to help influence the other sales uh, salespeople, the sales teams there, and went on to be promoted into different op- you know, opportunities of sales management. And then I was their corporate trainer for a number of years and then left that path on my own. About a little over six years ago, I just hit my six-year anniversary mark where I'm out now speaking and training in mostly nationally, occasionally internationally. Like this week, I have an international engagement, That's but most great. often nationally where I'm out teaching true principles to thrive in life and thrive in business. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you know, you said something interesting. You talk about sales there. The truth is we're all in sales. Uh, and in a seminar, when we do an event for people, whether it's keynote or, you know, full day or whatever, I'll ask, you know, who in here is in sales? And usually a few hands will go up and it's usually those with the title of someone in yep. sales. The truth is we all are in sales. My son and daughters are trying to sell me about a thousand times a day on different things. Uh, yep. When my wife wants me to pick something up for her at the store, you know, she's really trying to sell me on something. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that we're all in sales. We're always in this spirit of negotiation and working with others uh, to get to a better good. So speaking of that, you know, sales is your specialty. What have you seen is the biggest difference between those who thrive in sales and those who struggle along with it? And, and I'll get to why this is an important question in a few minutes. But we've interviewed a lot of sales teams over the course of years. There's always almost one or two outliers on a team who are just absolutely killing it. And that's one of the reasons uh, and ways that we identified the 12 principles of highly successful leaders is interviewing those teams. So I'd be curious from your perspective, what do you see as the difference between those who thrive and those who struggle along in sales? Yeah. And I love your sharing is truly life is sales, right? Getting your child to eat their vegetables, do their homework, go to bed, sales process, getting elected sales process, dating and engaged, getting married is a sales process, right? Like it's getting people, I've coached pastors of churches, right? Growing your congregation at a church is, a, at some level, a sales or an influence process, like you were saying. But absolutely, hands down, the number one struggle or the number one, I should say, the differentiator between thriving and struggle is definitely always found in your mindset, right? Is what's going on between your ears, your mindset directly dictates your life results. Where your mind is, is where your life follows in steep pursuit, right? So the power of that vision, the power of your mind, but the differentiator there is how you handle fear or discomfort. Every one of us has uncomfortable feelings come up. And when I'm in a facilitation of a sales training, similar to you and asking that, is I'll ask people to identify what's the number one thought or feeling, the top thought, feeling, or image that comes up for you when you hear the word sales, selling, salesperson. And 98% of the time, there's a negative connotation, right? It's old scripting that sounds something like, well, pushy, aggressive, used car salesperson. And so there's often this mindset that says, ooh, I don't want that. And when you look at fear, right, and everyone deals with fear, the difference is how you handle fear 
or uncomfortable feelings that will be the difference maker in your struggle or your success. And what I mean by that, I'd like to go just a little bit deeper on that, is the aspect of it from this perspective is this, is whether it's fear of failure, right? I'm going to put myself out there and fail, fear of rejection. What if I ask for the sale or ask for the appointment? I don't get it. What if I ask my friend or neighbor to listen to my network marketing idea? What if, you know, I want to approach this person, so forth? Or the fear of even success is in there as well. But all fears, often you can come back to the same camp for what's up for people in their, quote, sales thought process is the fear is what will other people think of me? And when you really consider that is how much of your life is being guided, directed, or owned by that thought process is what are other people going to think of you or think of me? And that so often it's normal at some level that we care about what other people think, right? To a degree, there's that isn't an unhealthy thing when it's in check, but it can be absolutely can wreak havoc on your life when you feel like your entire experience or existence is hustling the approval of other people. And back to the old connotations or the old story or scripting that what does it mean to be in sales? If you're still running the tapes, that it means, gosh, I don't to be successful in sales means I have to be pushy, I have to be manipulative, I have to be dishonest. Now people are in character conflict with it, matched with. But again, all of that's just a story is you can choose who you're going to be in sales and in business, right? Be the person that adds more value than anyone else, right? You want to travel the path of the extra mile. As the great late Wayne Dyer has said, it is rarely crowded along the extra mile. Tony Robbins has been quoted as saying dollars follow value. I like to say be a VC, not a venture capitalist, but a value creator that you show up in any environment at home, in business, in community, in relationship, with that mindset, if you cultivate a mindset that says, I'm here to add value, I'm here, as I like to say, serve more to sell more. When you show up in service, right, that's the whole new story you can choose to create. Hmm. But hands down, the differentiator between those that are thriving versus struggling in sales and in their life period is their mindset. And you know that from the great work that you guys are doing is the power of your mindset, but then the secondary level in is, I like to ask in my keynote talk, my million-dollar question is this. I'd like you guys to write this down, those of you that are listening. This million-dollar question is this. Am I willing to be uncomfortable to have the results that I want? Is facing off with those fears, telling a new story, yes, putting yourself out there. The reality is, as you put yourself out there and ask for sales or opportunities, the more that you put yourself out there, the more yeses you'll get. You will get some no's or not interested, although just know there's a whole other thing to that. That may not be forever. That just means for today. But it is facing off with some of that fear or discomfort is the difference maker between what you're creating. 100% is are you willing to be uncomfortable to have the results you want, right? The Robert Allen quote where he says, everything you want is just outside your comfort zone. So I'd love your two cents to that. I know I've just tried to check in like, <laughs> three days of training in a, you know, five minute response, but that's the, the heart of where people struggle or thrive in life period, let alone in sales. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in the spirit of becoming our best, we found the same thing that it's both a mindset and a skill set. And I would take a person with a mindset a hundred times over a person with a skill set because the skill set can eventually be learned. It takes some work and effort, but the mindset is something that uh, has to come from within. It's that fire. It's that motivation. So you think about sales, for example, and just building on what you said, talking about getting outside of our comfort zone. 90% of sales are made after, let's see, I think it's 80% of sales are made after five contacts. 
Yet yeah. 90% of sales reps give up at four contacts. 50% of sales reps give up after the first try. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of reasons for that. A fear of failure being one of the primary reasons. But you think about that. 90% of sales reps give up after four contacts. And asking the question why uh, comes back to what you're talking about. And I'm going to just share a brief story to build on what you're saying, Tiffany, because it's so powerful. And it applies as a mother, as a father, as a parent, as a sales rep across the board. It's this polite persistence. It's, it's overcoming uh, that fear. There's a friend that we just did a seminar for up in Montana. He told me an amazing story that just about blew me out of the water. He's a large manufacturer of clothing and, and some other things like that, importing uh, different goods. And he said there was a particular hotel slash restaurant chain who he really wanted to do their merchandise for. This is a big, big organization. So he called them every weekday for three years straight. And they didn't return a single call, uh, a single contact via email, anything. They didn't talk to him or respond for three years. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's so a lot. After three years, finally, this lady calls him and says, hey, you know, you've been so politely persistent with me. I haven't responded. If you're this good, I'd like you to be in my office tomorrow and show me what you've got. He flew to her office talked about their merchandise, and she said, I'd like to have a prototype on my desk by Friday. Well, they sourced out of Japan, so he was on a plane to Tokyo on Tuesday. He had a prototype made Wednesday, was back on the plane Thursday in her office Friday with a prototype, and she said, yeah, we'll take $4 million of those. Boom, his business went through the roof. But I just think, you know, when you go back to the mindset, how many people would be willing, back to your question, how many people would be willing to be that uncomfortable and to be that persistent over the course of three years. And it's no wonder that he's the one that got the result because mm -hmm. he did what very, very few people would be willing to do. Yes. So here's the question I just think is valuable for all of us to look at, myself, you, all of us, like, is what's the story I'm telling myself about what it means? Because that's where I find, I know those, when you started, you know, citing those statistics, it's so true is that 50% will quit after a first contact because, again, the assumption is back to the fear of I don't want to be perceived as pushy, aggressive. What story do you start telling yourself if you've made one whole contact, one whole Facebook post, one whole email, and they don't respond to you, and you start to tell the story that sounds like, oh, they're not interested, or I don't want to be pushy. I'll, they know they know what I'm up to. They'll let me know. No, life is sales, right? Sales, though, is a relationship game. And those of you that are nourishing your relationships, right, nourishing your network, nourishing your relationships, following up, making the calls, sending the cards, you know, making the effort, going to lunch, doing the things that nourish your relationships, when you're an active relationship builder and you're in the business of relationship, no matter what any of you sell, that is universal. Whether you sell cars or coffee machines or you're a coach or you're a healer or you're a network marketing or whatever, right? Fill in the blank. You're all in the relationship business. And so it's being aware of, again, back to, are you willing to make multiple contacts? See, there's this cute little phrase that I like to share that, you know, the difference between a contact and a contract, right? From a contacting experience to getting the contract is one letter. Contact to contract is the letter R. And the letter R stands for relationship. So if you're contacting someone and you're not getting the contract, that's just feedback. You need more relationship time. Is people buy from those they know, like, and trust. That is not new information. I'm just reminding you of something you already know, something you do as a consumer and a business individual. 
And so it's just being reminded of that, that the heartbeat of what Rob is sharing with you is so powerful is what story are you telling yourself? Are you telling the story of, oh, I don't want to be pushy. Maybe I'm, you know, I don't want to, oh, this, but being politely persistent, as he said, is hands down incredible advice for us to implement. So just be sensitive to the story you're telling about if I contact someone and they don't respond, right? It just, I need more relationship time. I'm going to contact them again, or maybe send them something in the mail, right? I want to stand out. I'm going to travel that path of the extra mile. So much of my business, when people say, how have you created so much success in a short amount of time? If I had to pick one thing, it would be, I make a conscious point and commitment. Am I perfect at it? No, but a conscious commitment regularly to help the people that are, are in my network, in my life, in my business already to feel like a million bucks that in my presence, how people feel in your presence is your calling card, right? So it's making it that you up-level your game to say, I want to be better at all my relationships. I want to listen more intently, be present. I want to send the card. I want to remember the thing that matters to them. I want to be powerfully present in my relationships. And when you live that way, you will absolutely eat as kings or queens in your life. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned it. Let's talk about peak performance, Tiffany. Okay. Yep. What are some of your go-to peak performance strategies? Okay. So a couple of things, short and sweet. I would say number one is the way you start your day shapes your day, right? And I create my day with what I call morning ritual, right? On my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Tiffany Peterson, there's a three-part series called Self-Care Equals Success, video one, two, and three, part one, two, three. But part one talks about your morning ritual. Now, you've probably heard it, you know, throughout my life too. I've heard many times having a power hour. Well, not every one of you has an hour right now. You might have a young baby at home or you might be, you know, stressed or deadlines at the office, whatever's going up for you. It's establishing the habit that the way you start your day, and I call it the sacred 10, the first 10 minutes of your day ideally is committed to nourishing you. See, the second you're in your email or on your social media apps, you're on the agenda of somebody else. And so starting your day, whether that's with spiritual, might be prayer, meditation, for some of you that might be Bible or scripture, or that may be also some kind of inspirational work. And then something of the mental categories stimulates, mental stimulates possibility, reading a good book or listening to an audio, physical, right, stretching your body, some sit-ups or push-ups. Now, if you have a full hour, great, where you can maybe do a workout and then some more in-depth study that nourishes your brain. But the way you start your day definitely shapes your entire day and your days become your life. So that would be peak performance strategy, I'd say number one. Number two is how you manage your technology today. That's the biggie, is so much of time management or peak performance is how do you handle your distractions, right? And to manage or eliminate them. Well, many of us are carrying around a smartphone, right? And that smartphone has access to so many distractions. Now, some of those distractions aren't bad. They may be helping us create business, right? Our emails, social media, text, phone calls, obviously, But if we're not careful, that technology can own you by the neck, right? And we want to put it on a leash versus it owning you. But many of us are walking around with our smartphones. You could just put them up to your arm as if it's an intravenous feed. And if you're not careful, I find that that can interrupt massively your peak performance. And so for me, many times, like right now I'm on this call, my cell phone is turned to complete silent, not just the buzz, because the buzz would distract my focus with you. And I don't want that. And so many times in my day, my cell phone's in another room or it's turned off completely. 
is that I, I keep a handle on that. Another good tip I learned from a guy named Brendan Burchard and love a lot of his content. He talks about only check your email when you can actually respond to it. So if you're actually, you know, heaven forbid we sit through a whole stoplight and we don't check our email on our smartphone is that if you can't sit down and respond to it, then don't look at it, right? Is otherwise, then that creates a whole lot of clutter in your inbox. And so that's another peak performance strategy is maybe have an, a designated time block to looking at your email morning and then maybe afternoon or, and granted, based on what your position is, some of you are on, keep your email up throughout the day because that's part of your, maybe say customer service or your business, but really managing your technology, and then finally, I'd say have time block sessions of productivity or like a jam session for 45 minutes to 90 minutes when you're cranking out, whether it's content or writing in your book or, you know, finishing or designing a website or, you know, you're going to make those connection calls. That's what I call sales calls, by the way, is connection calls is because connection equals clients equals cash. What you're after is back to relationship connecting. And so creating jam sessions, time blocking it into your life rather than oh, I'll make a call here or there, you know, block off an hour and crank out several connection calls a nourishing of those relationships or sales calls. Or if you're working on trying to get a website done or you're trying to blog or, you know, e- you know send out good content to your newsletter list, as I like to pick one afternoon, you know, like say two hours on a Friday and write out four or five blogs or content pieces that then can be distributed over the next, you know, 30 to 60 days and do it in productivity jam sessions, if you will. That's a couple of things for me. What do you think? Or any of those things you're doing or anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, those fabulous ideas. Uh, my wife starts the morning that way, and it changed her life. She started doing that about six months ago. So she has you know, that power-packed hour, and it has transformed her life. She loves doing that. It, it's had a huge impact. I want to go back to what you mentioned about the phone. Here's a test for our listeners. I actually did this with myself last week. And I'll invite everyone to try this. And this is a gauge to see how attached you are to your phone uh, since you brought this up, Tiffany. And that is, I'll just come up with a name for it right now. I'll just make it up. You know, the ignore the beep challenge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that is, you turn the volume all the way up. And then as it beeps, see if you can physically ignore it. I mean, what I've found is that there are some people who literally physically cannot ignore the beep, which is why accidents happen sometimes on the road. You hear the phone beep next to you, and you cannot physically resist it, even though we know we shouldn't be texting while driving. Mm. And we're really slaves to those devices in an unproductive way. And so yes. I love your advice. You know, just try that. Just see how addicted you are to your phone. I, I tried this, and I found that, wow, that's not as easy as I thought it was going to be You know, to resist the beep when it goes off. I want to see the text or the email or what it is. Uh, so I, I love your advice. I thought that was excellent. Uh, let me ask you another question and then we'll wrap up after this question. You know, you teach a lot about self-care. Can you elaborate on why you think that's important and how it links to our success and not just in sales, but, you know, speaking to the mother or the father that's staying at home, speaking to the high school coach, when we're talking about self-care, you know, why is that important? Yeah, I think, you know, everything in life at some level, your results mirror back to your self-confidence Right. So when you look at that and and self-confidence is an ongoing experience, it's not something that you just have and you have forever or you don't have and you don't have forever. It's not like your eye color is self-esteem, like where how I felt about myself in junior high is dramatically different to where that is at today. Right. But cultivating a positive relationship with self, but from a place that your self-care is one of the most fat, it's one of the fastest ways that you can increase your self-confidence 
And your self-confidence are like the lenses you're looking at through life. And so whether you are a stay-at-home parent or you're out in the business world or you're doing both or whatever your life circumstances look like is how you feel about you has a direct influence to everything you're attracting or repelling in your life. And so if I feel good, right, do, is my body language different if I feel good? Is my energy level different if I show up at a sales presentation or conversation? If I feel good, is that going to influence the outcome? Well, absolutely, hands down. If I feel good, will that influence my marriage or my personal relationships? Absolutely. On the contrary, if I'm not feeling so hot about myself, I'm feeling kind of down or I just don't feel great. I don't really love what's happening in my life. I'm feeling kind of negative and just kind of blue. Will that influence the energy level and vitality that I show up in health, in business, in relationships? Absolutely. So self-care, I'm a huge proponent of it, right? I already mentioned that video series that's on my YouTube channel that's there. Self-care equals success. And so it's just making a decision, right? Is how many times have we heard about, like your wife, like myself, you know, the concept of starting your day with some positivity, start your day with some reading or prayer, centering, right? Or some exercise. We all know when we start our day that way, not one of us listening to this right now needs to be sold that we know it makes a difference. The huge gap though is, are we doing the habit? We might hear the information for the umpteenth time, but have we made a decision? Are we doing that, right? Is your morning ritual is a form of self-care, taking care of your body, your brain, your spirit. Is there time in your life for more joy, right? People that feel good perform good. And so it's making joy a priority, not something you do because it's Father's Day or Mother's Day or your birthday, is that regularly you're creating more experiences of things that create joy, quiet time. I call it a technology timeout, right, of coming back to that and in that space of whether it's reading time or taking a hot soak or going and playing nine holes of golf, right? Things that bring you joy as well as time just to disconnect from all of the stuff as you're fostering that. So self-care is looking at your mind. Are you nourishing your mind, right, with positive things and in things that help you feel good? Are you nourishing your body physically with sleep, rest, nutrition? Are you, phys- you know, are you infusing your life with more joy, your emotional state? Spiritually, do you feel connected, right? It's just looking at what are the things that help me feel good physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally and making those activities. Again, they don't have to be a lot of time. It's just making them as a priority. And as you feel good, you perform better. And so there's a direct correlation to your relationships, your health, your finances, your sales success has a direct tie back to how good you feel about yourself. Yeah. And just a couple of thoughts on that. You know, one of the things that I've found really sets apart and it kind of goes back to our peak performer question, but it ties into self-care. One of the things that we found that sets apart peak performers from everyone else, it's the outlier on the sales team. It's the outstanding relationship between a husband and wife are when people read voraciously successful leaders and you can substitute leaders with people, successful leaders or readers. 43% of college graduates will never read another book the rest of their life. Because what we're doing is stimulating the mind and unlocking parts of the brain that otherwise would stay dormant. It's easy to get complacent and it's easy to get into a midlife funk if we're not stimulating the brain. It's just like a muscle. You know, if we just sat on the couch and ate potato chips, our muscles are going to atrophy. Well, the mind's the same way. If we don't exercise and stimulate it, then it's going to atrophy. We tend to sink down into this despair. 70% of our thoughts as adults tends to be negative. You know, well, what are we putting into our mind? How well are we taking care of our mind? 
and it's like you said, it's so easy to talk about, but when you're in the thick of the battle, it's a lot harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, it, it's, you were it's something as simple as positive self-talk. I feel healthy. I feel happy. I feel terrific. And we say those words until we literally change our energy or the way we feel and approach people. And there's so many stories about different ways to do that and the impact that it can have. But the bottom line is doing something, you know, not sitting back and saying, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, next. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, taking action and doing something. So, yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? I just think it's important to start small is that when we hear these things is I'm always after helping people establish the habits because we know habits is what lead to the result. That's why I call the morning ritual. You might not have an hour, but you start with what I call the sacred 10. The first 10 minutes of your day, right, is that first 10 minutes. And then ideally, yes, can it grow up to some more time so you can get in more of those activities, but that you start with fostering the habit. You start small. But one of my favorite quotes of all time to wrap that thought process up is by Foster Hubbard that says this doing isn't difficult. Deciding is, is that in our lives, we often aren't lacking information. I myself listen to podcasts like this all the time. I do read a lot, right? Is I like to stimulate my brain and and ideas, even if they're ideas I've heard before, but sometimes the way someone shares it clicks a new light bulb. But I do know that if I'm after change, I need to look at how can I start to implement some small, simple habits. Like you were saying, I love the idea of even just your self-talk. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm confident, right? Is that you're choosing to stoke the fire with what you want to see and feel and believe happening there, right? And it's true. Like when you study, you were mentioning the concept of the world's wealthiest and most successful, one of those outliers is that they do read an average of 20, 30 minutes a day, right? Another outlier that I was studying of looking at the world's wealthy, like the top 3% of the global wealth, another success habit they have is they get an average of seven hours of sleep a night, which sometimes we might think is different because we might be be believing that to be more successful, I have to burn the candle at, at both ends, which isn't true. I need to be more focused and productivity with my time quality, but Getting great sleep, another form of self-care, right, is what are you putting in your brain, how you take care of your body, is your heart and spirit being nourished as well, right? Time to do the things that bring you joy or connect you to your higher power, however you connect to that. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that, Tiffany. And as we get ready to wrap up, uh, how could our listeners find you? Do you have a website that they could go to and, and how could they, you know, find you and learn more about you? Yeah, so my main website, main hub is tiffanyspeaks.com. There's a free goals setting training and audio and companion, nine-page companion workbook there if you choose to opt in. My YouTube channel, there's tons of free videos on sales to peak performance to self-care like we've been talking about, which is just my name, Tiffany Peterson. Facebook as well, Tiffany Peterson. Those are three popular ways if you want to stay connected or would like more content that I teach, that would be a great place to start. Hey, thanks, Tiffany, so much for being on this podcast I highly encourage all of our listeners to go to your website, check out what she has to offer, and get some of her free materials. There's certainly nothing to lose uh, in doing that. And as a separate note, as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, we've had a lot of calls and questions recently about our Breakthrough Leadership Conference. Let me just answer a couple of questions for all of our listeners while we're here together. If you would like to attend the Breakthrough Leadership Conference for us, we do it twice a year in May and in October. So we encourage you to go to becomingyourbest.com, look at the dates, see if it fits your schedule, And if you want two intense days focused on you, focused on your marriage, your business, your success, uh, this is an incredible experience. So becomingyourbest.com, click on Breakthrough Leadership, 
conference and you'll get all the details there. We would love to see you there. We're about 80% full now for our May conference coming up. And, uh, and then we'll be booking for October after this one is full. So we hope to see you there. Tiffany, it was fabulous to have you. Great content, great person. We highly encourage you to go check out our website. And for all of our Becoming Your Best listeners, we wish you a great day and a fabulous week. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.